Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. It is a big show and we are dedicating it to the quarterbacks. We are going to discuss an NFL.com report that Tua Tagovailoa's contract could be worth $55 million. And then we're going to start getting comfortable with this year's draft class at quarterback. Joining me today to talk all things quarterback, Joshua Houts, Brian Cat, Gentlemen, happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's going to be the first weekend where there is absolutely no football. Um, but you know uh-huh. what? It's, it's uh, what, just over two months from the NFL draft? Um, a month from free agency. Looking forward to it. No football sounds like absolute hell. Um, I have the baby sleeping here. As I was telling Jake um, before I came on here, the other one was going exorcist all day long. Had to pick up, pick her up at school. So um, I'm just happy to be able to get away from all that and be able to talk about the quarterback position, the Miami Dolphins, and um, some of this absurd reporting about 55 million for Tua. But um, I'm doing pretty well, Jake. How have you been? Some super interesting talk shout out Invisalign great what they do don't go months without wearing your retainers because if you try to put them back in you do wake up the next morning feeling like you've been punched in the mouth 50 times outside of that we're doing pretty 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 good and cat I gotta ask you man because it's so tough uh this time of year because there is an NFL news cycle and I think it actually works pretty well with uh, a regular person's day like if you work uh, eight to four nine to five i think you kind of get out of work at a good time to see all the information it's not the case during the off season so i'm sitting there i'm scrolling at about two in the afternoon and i just see a barry jackson post a uh, barry jackson reporter for the miami herald going on this huge rant about how tua tungavaloa's next contract could be upwards of 55 million dollars now I do want to talk about the report, but but first, what would go through your head just scrolling and that being the first thing you see on a random uh, February Wednesday afternoon? Well, I'll answer two questions you didn't ask. Uh, number one <laughs> is, does Tua deserve a contract of $55 million? And to me, the answer is no. Do I think he will get a contract for $55 million a year? The answer is, my answer is yes. I think he will. I think he will get that. And if you look at the other quarterbacks in the NFL, I mean, let's keep in mind, Kyler Murray's cap number this year is going to be north of $50 million. I mean, you've got several, you've got, you know, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes, and uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, all with cap numbers uh, over $58 million. And the, the reality is it may not seem this way because to a, has not quarterbacked the Dolphins to a playoff win, but the reality is he's 25. He led the NFL in passing yards. He has all the leverage. I was hoping, you know, after the Dolphins lost to the Chiefs, that maybe he would settle on a Geno Smith three-year, $105 million prove it type of contract. That's simply not going to happen. And I'd probably lose a lot of respect for Tua if he asked for that, to be quite honest with you, too. So, you know... The big thing as far as it relates to this offseason is that 23 million that he's going that he's scheduled to get. If the Dolphins were to sign him to an extension, typically when you do that, the first year the cap number is taken down, as you guys know. So the Dolphins would probably end up uh, with 10 million dollars more to spend at this offseason. But yeah, it's a high number. And if I had to predict, yeah, I think he'd get it. 
I really have to laugh because I remember last year at this time, some people didn't even think he deserved getting that fifth-year option, and now we're sitting here talking about how he deserves top five money, right? So um, I think I kind of feel the same way as you, Kat. I mean, I, I sit there and I hear that number, and the first thing I think is, oh, my God, like, I love Tua Tungvalu, but $55 million a year? Like, are, are you out of your mind? How long is this contract going to be? And I did look it up. Spotrack had predicted a six-year $302 million contract, which would be 50 0.4 million dollars that would put him top five right behind Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow as far as annual salary. And um, I mean, I gotta be honest, I feel like that's right where he's probably gonna get, right? I mean, right up right below him would be Russell Wilson making 49 million annually. You mentioned Kyler Murray. I think this takes into account his average salary over the year, which is 46 million. So Tua Tomalo definitely is gonna find a salary in that area. And after leading the league in passing, after proving that. This was how elite he looked when healthy. Um, I can't really argue that he deserves it. I just know that when I first saw $55 million, I said, by God almighty, I want nothing to do with that. But, um, I mean, I love Tua. So, here we are. That He's going to get paid one way or the other. And um, whether you like it or not, right, Jake? Mike Garofolo in his report said that indications are that both sides would like to get a deal done quickly this offseason so that it's not a storyline that hangs over training camp or the regular season. It's pretty impressive that they uh, this report instantly went that far into the season. Kat, I think you made a great point, and I think what helps make this contract digestible is the fact that early on you're going to create some sort of space to open up money, and that helps fill the timeline with a Tyree Kill contract, a Jalen Ramsey contract, things like that. Uh, but Garofolo added that it might not be easy to negotiate and that it definitely won't be cheap. It makes sense, right? You said it. He's 25 years old. He led the league in passing. And you're the most valuable position in all the sports. All those things together make it seem like, all right, Tua might get what he wants. And Josh, we were talking before the show, and like at first you hear 55 million, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ, what are we gonna what are we gonna do? Like he's not worth this much money. And then you mentioned, well, he could be worth a contract worth about 49 million dollars, right beneath a couple guys, right above Russell Wilson, things like that. And when you really think about it and you really boil down the point. $6 million for a franchise quarterback in the grand scheme of the uh, salary cap probably isn't a whole hell of a lot. And I don't know if it's really a position the Dolphins are going to die on. And that's why I do think that contract makes a lot of sense. But guys, are you surprised that Garofolo would even mention the idea of training camp or regular season? Because if we hear that the Dolphins want to get a deal done with Tua early on, it's as close to that March 7th deadline as possible. So you have cap space once free agency in the new year begins. Yeah, I think it's the second part. Uh, you know, the the idea that the Dolphins dealt with this hanging over their head, et cetera, I think that's more of a media narrative. They want the money to do something this offseason to resign the players that they have. And because any any contract extension to it gets, you can bet that it's he is going to see far less than $23 million in 2024. Obviously, he will get a lot more 2025 through whatever year it is, 2028, 2029, 2030, whatever the case may be. But that's why they would be looking to get this, this done sooner. To me, everything else is, is media nonsense. And how do you think they kind of work with that? So think about it. Let, let, let's kind of build this Dolphins uh, depth chart, Josh. If you have Tua and you're giving him this massive contract, Suddenly, are you still paying Mike White like $5 million, $5 million to be the backup quarterback, even though he's throwing pick sixes when you're up 30-something points? No, I think this is probably – this is no, you're not mad at all. But he did – wasn't he the one that threw that touchdown uh, dot to Robbie Chosen? Shout out Robbie Chosen. Um, <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, you would absolutely not be paying him that. And I mean, we're sitting here talking about this, and at the end of the day, right, you're not going to find a better quarterback out there than Tua Loa. So the Dolphins are really in a rock and a hard place. I just think it's funny that, you know, a lot of us are like, oh, we love Tua, we love Tua. And then when we hear that number thrown out there, we're like, okay, do we want to marry Tua, right? So, um, yeah, you're not paying Mike White all that money. And um, I guess that's what we'd end up doing, right? You'd probably bring in a, a replacement via draft, which we'll eventually talk about some of the prospects we like. But, um, yeah, I think the Dolphins have to pay him this regardless of what we think. And, um, again, you don't have a better option out there. They're not going to have a better option. We haven't seen a better option since freaking Dan Marino retired. So uh, just deal with it, folks. Just deal with yeah. it. And I'll tell you what, it's going to be interesting with Mike White and Skylar Thompson because, yeah, Mike White is due, I believe his cap number is $5.2 million. They have to pay him $1.5 million regardless. So they'd be saving at the end of the day three point five to $3.7, somewhere in that area. That becomes an interesting decision because uh, is Mike White a solid backup? Yeah. And if two would, heaven forbid, signs the extension and gets hurt, are we going to be saying, you know, do we really need that three and a half million? Did that really um, determine? And, but then again, on the other side too, Skylar Thompson, if Skylar Thompson's not ready to step in as the backup, what are we doing with this guy? Yep. So that also leads into the quarterback conversation too, where the Dolphins have a fifth, two sixth, and a seventh. Maybe they can look at a quarterback there later. Yeah, Skylar Thompson, I, I, I like that you brought that up for Mike White, that 3.5 mil, because I think a lot of people instantly just kind of chopped that off as like, that's how the Dolphins are going to get above the salary cap. But I, I think that's a good question to have if that value is there for that backup quarterback like Mike White. I'd say no personally, and I kind of consider the fact that probably the most valuable players are guys on the rookie deal, probably year three or four, just because they've been in the league for a couple of years, they have experience and they're still on that rookie contract. Well, Skylar Thompson would be a backup quarterback who's entering his third year on a seventh round picks contract. Now, would that be something interesting enough where he's had a couple of years to develop? He started a playoff game and he should be the backup. Or is it even worth discussing the fact that you could save $906,000 if you cut him uh, and, and save that on the salary cap? Is that even a talking point for Skylar Thompson? Yeah, it's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, well, Scott Thompson, I don't think would be cut regardless. To me, he would be, he would, if he if he's not in the team, it's that he didn't make the fifty three man roster. And I, I think he's certainly good enough to make the fifty three man roster. You know, the the question is, to me, what it comes down to is, if Tua were to get hurt, are you going to lose additional games because you're going with Skylar Thompson instead of Mike White? To me, the answer is probably no. But that's up for debate. Yeah, I think I'd flip a coin between those two, right? I mean, I, I think that's where I'm at, at yeah. this point. Um, yeah, so I, I see exactly what you're saying. And to me, I think that's the biggest thing when we look at this price, right? I mean, Spotrax had six years, $302 million. This was to his first season fully healthy. I mean, that's a little bit – has to be a little bit of a concern, right, when you're trying to give out all this money, right? I mean, we're sitting here talking about how Mike White could be expendable. You know, what about Skylar Thompson? I mean – we are one year removed from Tua Tungvaluwa, and a lot of people are thinking he might retire. So it has to factor into all this thing. You definitely need to have a better backup plan than um, – but Dolphins have a lot of decisions to make. I think the decision on whether or not to sign Tua Tungvaluwa, though, has already been made, and a lot of Dolph fans, um, at least based on what I see on Twitter, they're probably going to be crying and a little bit salty, but it is what it is, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it a little bit, I'll be honest.
Josh, you said it all. Let's take a quick break here. And on the other side, we'll get into some of the draft prospects for 2024. So stay tuned. We will be right back. We sit here. It is currently February 15th. And Kat, I got to ask you, Caleb Williams, is he number one? Is this set in stone? Is it no longer a debate? He is the top quarterback in the draft. Basically, we look back to last year. Afterwards, people were saying C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I'm not entirely sure, but there was a loud majority that said Bryce Young was 1A. So I want to put it in stone before all the smokescreen comes flying. Where is he locked into? Yeah, I think he goes number one. And, you know, it's it's a testament to him that this past year, it, it seemed like Caleb Williams had this awful season and he had, you know, 30 touchdowns and five interceptions compared to where he was the year before. And, you know, this is a great position for the Bears to be in because it's there's so many teams out there that need quarterbacks. And to me, they they select Caleb Williams number one, and they're gonna get a they're gonna trade Justin Fields and I believe they're gonna get somewhere between a first and second rounder. And I'm leaning toward a first rounder when you take a look at how many teams need quarterbacks, the Vikings, the Steelers. I mean, you the list goes on and on. Um I, I think at the end of the day, he's he, Justin Fields becomes a, a Pittsburgh Steeler for that 20th pick. And now you're talking about the Bears having the first pick, the ninth pick, and the 20th pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, I'm with you. I think this guy is as good as advertised. I think he's by far QB1. But I like what you said about Justin Fields. I do still think there's something there. I think a team like the Steelers, who could desperately need a quarterback, or some of those other teams that are drafting later in the draft, you know, giving up a first, maybe a second with a compensatory, you know, depending on how he plays. I mean, I think Justin Fields is going to be a stud, but you can't pass on a guy like Caleb Williams. He is um, that dude, right? He is that dude. What am I – why is why is Justin Fields worth this much? I understand the value of the quarterback position, but this is a dude who what has, has one or two years left on his rookie contract. What am I missing here? Because not only is this someone it, – it, it's a rental or someone you're going to pay a boatload of money after seeing them uh, for a limited time in your scheme. Why, why are we set on giving a, a first-round pick for Justin Fields? Uh, really the talent level and the need at the position across the NFL. I mean, it's – look, Justin Fields – I believe in in NFL circles, it's going to be categorized, and I think correctly categorized, that he went to the Chicago Bears. He went to a terrible football team uh, that is known for bad offensive football. It made no sense this year where Justin Fields in 2022 is starting to look like the next coming, not quite Lamar Jackson, but a guy that can throw for almost 4,000 yards and run for 1,000. And then this year, they start out by trying to turn the guy into a pocket passer. So that just speaks to the insanity of the Chicago Bears, and hopefully they don't wreck Caleb Williams too. Can't really follow that up. I mean, I like the prospect, but Cat pretty much nailed it right there. So um, I'm intrigued to see what happens with Justin Fields because I do think there's something there, and um, he just needs the right opportunity to really flourish. The thing about Justin Fields, and I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes just in the Super Bowl uh, throughout the playoff run, the – Famous line is being a playmaker, someone who's going to uh, make chicken salad out of you-know-what in the times where you need it the most. But also, I think one of the issues with, uh, or at least early on with Justin Fields, was just the simple stuff, making the simple throws and that consistency on a down-to-down basis. Are you comfortable knowing what Caleb Williams can do, not only being that special playmaker, but are you comfortable with him as that down-to-down pocket passer or just someone who can make those open throws? 
Yeah, physically he can do it all. And if you look at him in just the throwing motion, I understand why people compare him to Patrick Mahomes. But I also, on the other hand, start to roll my eyes a little bit when you're comparing an NFL draft prospect to an all-time great. And Patrick Mahomes is already that type of guy. Um, and just to go back to Justin Fields for a second, I, I have to confess that I might I might be a little bit biased towards Fields because the last Dolphins game I went to uh, was was the Bears Dolphins game where Justin Fields ran for more yards. yards. He ran for more yards for a quarterback in NFL history in a single oh game. That's true. Right, right in front of me, I like I'm like five rows up. But uh, no, I, I I do think at the end of the day that the Bears are going to get are, are going to get a first round pick for, for for Justin Fields and and go with Caleb Williams. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, I like some of the different the way he you know. Could, Changes his arm motion and some of the things he does off script, but I cannot for a second compare anybody to Patrick Mahomes at this point. I mean, um, I think it was like four years ago I wrote an article for five reasons comparing him to Dan Marino, and that's kind of where I'm at. I feel like we're just going to – but Caleb Williams, man, that's a guy who can do everything, right? You mentioned he can be in the pocket. We see him legit using his legs as a uh, you know, a ball carrier and things like that, so – um, I think Caleb Williams is hard to pass up, and I think he will be that number one pick. I've written down, uh, you kind of reminds me of a globetrotter when he's out there playing uh, the game of football. Cat, at number two, do you love the Drake, or is uh, Jaden Daniels uh, making a strong comeback here in the offseason? You know, I like all three of these uh, quarterbacks in the top five, and usually I have a gripe with somebody in the top five at quarterback, but not this year. Um, I, I like Jaden Daniels more. Um, he doesn't make – the uh, off, he, I mean, he can certainly make plays off script. He doesn't have the uh, different arm angles that that Caleb Williams has. That's the big difference. As a thrower, he's good, not great. But the difference with him is if he if you spread the field out wide, as many of these NFL offenses do, he can very easily, in Lamar Jackson like fashion, tuck the ball down and get thirty yards. And that's why I think he's going to end up going higher than Drake May in the draft. Uh, that right now it's Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, and and Jaden Daniels, 2A, 2B. I like Daniels significantly more. I, I think he's an exceptional talent and that the the mobile component of his, his game is underrated. Uh, you know, Drake May, the comparisons you're going to see over and over again are to Justin Herbert. Um, I think he's a little bit less physically talented than Justin Herbert was. But uh, I, I can understand why the comparisons are there. 6'4", 220 pounds. This past year, he had a, he had a good year, not a great year. I mean, the, and back in 2022, he had 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions, lost a couple of weapons on offense. And this past year, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions. So a significant decline. But when you watch him from game to game, it's, it's easy to see when looking at what he had around him why that drop occurred. So we'll, we'll see where these guys go, but either way, Caleb Williams, Drake may J Jaden Daniels, none of them are getting out of the top five and probably not out of the top three. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Caleb Williams is by far the QB one, right? I don't think there's going to be any argument there, but after that, I mean, I came into this light loving Jaden Daniels have written down that he has high upside, you no know, dual threat. Um, I, I love the way he runs the ball at times, almost like a crash dummy, right? He just takes some insane hits. But um, I was really impressed when I saw what Drake May could do. I think he might be the safer pick, right, between the two, perhaps. But um, at the end of the day, I don't think you can really be upset with any of these guys. I do like what I saw to Drake May. Did have written down Herbert, so that's a little bit of a cliche comparison there. But um, 
I think one, two, and three, you can't go wrong there. And um, these, this is the future of the NFL, right? These guys, you're going to be talking about these guys for uh, many years to come. How would Jaden Daniels look somewhere like Washington, who currently has the number two pick? Um, I, I was reading on Pro Football Focus that Jaden Daniels had one of the lowest turnover-worthy play rates in, in the entire nation last year. And you consider those weapons. It seems like you could do some fun things with his ability to kind of make these safe passes and then uh, dink and dunk offense where you kind of mention it, Kat. You can spread the opposing defense out wide, and if he doesn't see anything he likes, you go win a one-on-one -on -one battle on the outside against a linebacker and take it 10 yards. Right, and with Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels, to me, the the traits that are hard to find, they have. You know, the ability to throw, uh, uh, you know, from awkward arm arm angles uh, to playoff script, they've got that. And then from that point, if you have to rein them in and take the easy stuff, I feel confident in their ability to do that. And yeah, I mean, Jaden Daniels, I mean, Heisman Trophy winner this this past year for LSU. 40 touchdown passes compared to four interceptions and on the ground, 1134 rushing yards and 10 more touchdowns. Um, one of the best years from a college football quarterback I've ever seen. And I think it does translate. Now, the interesting thing with him is if you look before this year, um, you know, he was a transfer from Arizona state from a couple of years ago. I mean, we're, we're talking about him being two years removed from a terrible Arizona state team where he quarterbacked an offense to 10 touchdowns and 10 interceptions. But I, I tend to not hold that against somebody, you know, who's 19 or 20 years old. I, I tend to look at more of the ascension of that prospect throughout the college ranks. And, and nobody was better in college football last year than, than Jaden Daniels. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause um, you know, even at Arizona state though, you could see some of that, what, you know, he brought to LSU and just kind of flourished with. Um, I will admit the thing that makes me really sick and throw up a little bit in my mouth is all these mock drafts, right? Have Jaden Daniels seemingly following to the New England Patriots. And um, I mean, we're talking about how talented he is, how he's kind of that dual threat, you know, this new age of NFL, how it's just almost a cheat code to have that type of quarterback. I don't know about you, but I do not want to see this man in New England. I do not want to see him have any part with that New England Patriots organization. No, me either. And uh, look, I don't know, Jaden. Daniels off the field, uh, anything, but I, I do have a stigma that just everybody at Arizona state is drunk all the time. So, uh, I, I don't know if, I don't know if that's the case with him, but, uh, you know, to me, it's, to me, it's a party school and he got away from that. That's the narrative I'm choosing to believe, but no, it's, it, he's, he's a talent and he's going to go in the top three picks. He's been picking a momentum as that second pick recently. So let, let's kind of follow that road a little bit and think about this. Like Drake May, he kind of feels like that pocket passer. And you mentioned Justin Herbert. I even reading about him kind of felt Josh Allen early in his career, just someone who's gunning the ball everywhere. He's going to throw some in interceptions. Drake May seems like he might be a little helpless somewhere in New England where it's a lot of guys with, who, who don't get a lot of separation and an offense that really struggles to push the ball down the field and give their quarterback some simple, easy looks. Yeah, Drake May to me is is a higher floor type of guy, and Jaden Daniels has the superstar upside. So from that point, if you're the Patriots, yeah, I mean, it would scare me if Jaden Daniels went there because he is somebody that I believe can single-handedly take that offense, make it his offense, and be a superstar quickly. Drake May might be able to do that too, but I, I see him being – more of a really solid quarterback, a Matt Ryan type of guy um, with that like type that. of group, which is fantastic. But 
is he somebody that's going to drag an organization that right now the Patriots are, are in shambles? Um, is he going to take them kicking and screaming to a championship in a couple of years? You know, maybe no quarterback can do this, but Jaden Daniels has the ability to me to, to throw the, the team on his back a little bit more than Drake May does. After the top three there, though, that's when we can really start getting cliche. The These are the guys that everybody passed, and these are the guys who are going to remember everybody who was drafted before them and all those different scenarios. And, you know, I look back to 2012 and how much of a difference having someone like Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson just does for your cap space, right? Having a first-round quarterback is fantastic and locking that in. But if you can get those guys in the second, third round, it's a complete and absolute game-changer. I don't think we're there – quite yet cat where are you thinking someone like michael Penix is gonna go so after the top three guys i've i've kind of an unpopular take on the next three where Uh look i see some mock drafts where them going you know i saw saw jj mccarthy going 12th and michael Penix going 13th and i and and look both quarter nicks Penix, jj mccarthy phenomenal seasons last year I, i don't take anything away from but as prospects, this reminds me kind of of the 2022 draft where we just kind of assume that like the Sam Howells and the Desmond Ritters would get pushed up the board and be selected mid to late first round. And then draft day comes and they fall to the third, fourth and fifth round. I believe that's what's going to happen to all three of these guys, because when you get past the first like 40 picks in the NFL draft, and that's right about where Will Levis went, I think he went 34th last year. When you get past the top 35 to 40 picks in the NFL draft. I don't care what team has what pick or how few of picks they have. The NFL universally has agreed that you are not a franchise quarterback, that you are a project. And we'll see if that's the case with Michael Penix, J.G. McCarthy, and Bo Nix. And I think that will be the case. And once those teams have agreed that you are not a franchise quarterback, there is no limit to how far that quarterback can fall. Remember a couple of years ago, Jake Fromm from Georgia, at this time, a few years ago, you know, projected first round in mock drafts ends up falling to the end of the fifth round. Sam Howell, uh, first pick of the fifth round a couple of years ago after being projected, you know, a top 10 pick at this time two years ago. So I believe that's what's going to happen is there that you're going to start to see these guys not get drafted in the first round, but falling to the second and third round. And to answer the other question that you didn't ask there with uh, with with the Dolphins. I would not take one at 21 and I would not take one in the second round. Um, and it's after really watching all three players with an open mind, I have, I have different reasons why I would not take them in the first and second round. Yeah. Hard for me to argue with any of that. I mean, I'm sitting here watching these guys and it was hard for me to really pick out which one, you know, stood out above the rest. And, you know, if you're a GM, you're pretty much planting your flag on one of those guys becoming um, that that dude. I mean, for me, I guess it just comes down to one team, right? One team that might see a J.J. McCarthy and might buy into what uh, John Harbaugh said. Didn't he say it was like the, could be the number one QB1 or some crazy stuff like that? I mean, all it takes is one team, you know, seeing the right fit and going out there and reaching for one of these guys. But um, I was sitting here trying to decipher who's who, who's QB3, 4, and 5. And it was uh, hard as hell for me to do that. Man, Bo Nix and Michael Penix have been in football and college football forever. Um, like, I feel like they're my age. They, they, dude, okay, uh, Michael Penix's first start was uh, the same year Adam Gase was coaching the Dolphins back in 2018. Wow. He went. To, he was at Indiana for four years. Okay, 
and he transferred to Washington last year and it obviously played absolutely lights out the last two years, 67 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, Heisman trophy candidate. The thing with Penix for me though, is he reminds my comparison to him is just going way back is Byron Leftwich, where he is a, a, I think is a fan, escapable version of that. And obviously a left-handed version of that, but he has an awkward throwing motion and he needs a lot of pocket space to plant his foot and, and get the ball where it needs to go. Um, I, when he has that time, it's a beautiful throw. He has a great deep ball. The, you know, the, the nose of the ball is, is out and toward the sideline. It's a perfectly thrown ball, but you need to also be able to give him time to throw the ball um, there too. So he's, he's got the big arm. I like him more than Bo Nix. Um, Bo Nix last season, 45 touchdowns, three interceptions, absolutely insane. But I, I think he really lacks the physical upside. That's why I think he's eventually not going to go in the middle of the first round, but end up going closer to, to late day two, um, even though he's projected in mock drafts to go a lot higher right now. I think you can see some of these guys start to fall when you think about the limitations. I mean, Bo, Bo Nick specifically, you think about the 45 touchdowns to three interceptions. I mean, he was behind what the, the best offensive line in the entire nation for that. And if you're drafting, you know, early in the first round breaking news, I, I don't think you're a good football team. So, I mean, if you're trying to take someone Bo Nix, even in like the second round uh, near the top, you do start to wonder if they're going to be in a situation. I mean, I, I think I go back to like someone like Brandon Whedon, uh, you mentioned just a couple of older guys, and I just go to situations where, all right, it could work if everything's kind of nicely placed around them. But a lot of these scenarios, you aren't going to see that, and especially if someone wants you to play in the first or second round. Brandon Whedon, well, he was old when he was drafted. He was yeah. twenty. He was twenty-eight. That was the that was the same draft as Tannehill. That was the twenty-twelve draft. So that dude's forty now. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. But yeah, uh, look, you you watch you watch uh, Oregon. Um, on Saturday, and I mean, you can just go game by game with with Oregon. There is there are not a lot of contested throws uh, on on tape from him. And when you combine that with how he fizzled out at Auburn and the physical limitations, yeah, I mean, you can talk all day about about you know forty five touchdowns and three interceptions, but I don't see how a Dolphins fans, even if they're the biggest Bo Nix supporter, can form an argument that two is not the guy. Um, because of the physical, because he's limited in uh, other areas, the quarterbacks, you know, he's, he's not Josh Allen. He's not Lamar Jackson, but Bo Nix is going to be the guy. I, I don't see how you can get to that point. Kat, you're sitting there on the clock, third round, JJ McCarthy's there and you're the Dolphins. Are you thinking about it? So if they, so Dolphins have a, a first, a second, a fifth, two, six, oh, and seventh. So, no, no, no. But hey, let's in the scenario, let's say they trade down, acquire a third rounder. JJ McCarthy would be interesting in the third round. And listen, if we're talking about what the Dolphins have given backup quarterbacks over the years, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, Mike White, um, is that equivalent to a third rounder? Yeah, I think it is. So you're talking about JJ McCarthy, somebody who's 20 years old who is still rounding into form right now. He's a, he is a hyper competitive athletic game manager. That's what he is right now. But the arm talent to me is not even at this, at the level of Bo Nix. As far as arm talent, it's Michael uh, among the second tier. It is Michael Penix by a long shot, then Bo Nix, 
and then slightly below him, J.J. McCarthy. But he does have the mobility. Um, so still, I mean, that would be interesting in the third round. I would still end up passing um, there. I, I would I would be looking at a few quarterbacks here a little bit later in the draft that I don't think are, my opinion, it's an unpopular one. I, I, I think they're closer to this second tier than a lot of other people have them. I think Stephen Ross is going to override everyone. He's going to take J.J. McCarthy at that second-round pick. I mean, um, we're sitting here talking about uh, Phoenix and uh, Knicks. I mean, those guys are a little bit older. I do think J.J. McCarthy is that younger guy that maybe you can develop and has a little bit of that mobility that the NFL game loves. But um, I'm with you, man. I feel like after those top three, it's just a drop-off. And um, I'm intrigued to hear some of those later-round prospects because I keep joking about Spencer Rattler, so I'm not going to keep getting into that. But um, who – uh, what are your thoughts on some of those other guys? Jake, did you say what you thought of McCarthy? Would you take him if he was there in the third? If you're trading back to the third, I, I'm I'm fully on board not to be that guy with what Cat will go with here. Um, I'm in under the impression that I don't think you should use any pick before that fifth round pick um, on a quarterback. But but Cat, you make a great point. I mean, even Teddy Bridgewater, they brought in so many backup quarterbacks where they are making a point like we got to invest in that position. Well, the best way to invest in that would be something like if you could trade back down into third. Uh, but when we're looking at the combine and different quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler comes to mind. You got Michael Pratt at Tulane. Kat, are there any other guys you're going to have highlighted there that really could make it or break uh, performances at the combine for maybe like a fifth round pick? Yeah, I don't think Michael Pratt, Jordan Travis, Spencer Rattler, as far as size or physical attributes, I, I don't think what, they, what, what they're going to do matters much. I mean, maybe throwing the ball, but mm -hmm. that's it. Um, but that really is that third tier. And that's the tier that, to me – the Dolphins should absolutely be very open to in the fifth, sixth round. And I do think a quarterback uh, of some value is going to be there. Um, Michael Pratt from Tulane of that third tier is probably my favorite. And I, I tweeted earlier that when I watched him, the name that kept coming, coming to mind was, uh, was Jay Fiedler. And, you know, it, it really Jay Fiedler with a little bit of a stronger arm, but you take a look at what he did with that Tulane program. I mean, Nothing jumps off the page, 2,400 yards, 22 touchdowns, five interceptions, but a really good chain mover. And I, he doesn't, he's not great in one area, but he's not poor in one area. His mobility, his arm strength, his throwing motion, I'd say all of it is a B plus across the board. So, and when you take a look at just over the last 20, 25 years, these quarterbacks that have somehow fallen through the cracks and been day three stars. I mean, Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins, and, and, a, and a Russell Wilson was a, was a third rounder, but same thing. What do they all have in common? They played a lot of college football. They played at a high level and they came in the league experienced and their physical attributes, it turns out were underrated. And I think Michael Pratt falls in that same area as well as Jordan Travis from, uh, for, from Florida state. Hard not to get excited about Jay Feeler, right? Wasn't it the last time the Dolphins won a playoff game? I mean, um, and then you mentioned Jordan Travis. I think that was on the last show. I mean, he's a guy that's probably getting overlooked, right? Suffered the injury. I think he was kind of the whole reason that the 
uh, Florida State guy wasn't in the playoff, right? I mean, because of his talent not being there. So that's an intriguing name that could fall. Um, but for me, I'm going to continue to go to Spencer Rattler. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, at one point he was that first overall pick. Um, this is a kid show, so I'm not going to say what his – I don't know if you guys saw what his logo looks like, but his logo is an S with – and it looks like – it's an S and an R, but that R looks like it's a snake with a, a you-know-what. So I, I'm behind Spencer Rattler, um, intrigued by what he can bring. He has that mobility, Landon Greer's uh, – best friend um what are your thoughts on Tua's brother either of you do you guys like Tua I, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce Tulia uh, Tuli how, how, how do you say it someone help me out here so, so I'm not even gonna try it's that they're both Tua as far as I'm concerned um yeah I watched watched him a few games nothing really jumped out but he, he did get better this past year so you, you might be looking at at a late round draft pick but I yeah he's 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 not really on the radar for me personally Last big quarterback out of Maryland? Oh, man. I think we just answered the question with that. <laughs> who, I'm trying to do, think. Do you have the answer to that? I got I nothing. Don't. I'm trying I can't, to, I'm trying I can't to think. Who, who was drafted out of Maryland? Who was <laughs> oh, man. Maryland quarterback. Man. That's going to bother him. He's going to – he okay. normally I'm, has I'm looking, I'm looking up right now. He's a uh, team of Maryland. Yeah, uh, so I – but I like I like Pratt and, and Jordan Travis f- physically a little bit more than Spencer Rattler uh, because I feel like like both Pratt and, and Travis get a little bit more of their throwing motion like from their legs. So they're able to push the ball out, I think, a little more accurately, a little more consistently. But Spencer Rattler, too, brings a little bit more of that dog that we've seen. I mean, we're, we're talking about somebody who back in the 2021 draft um, you know, if, if he had played, if he had a great year at Oklahoma, we would possibly have been talking about him as a top 10 pick. He had a bad mm-hmm. year. Things have fallen down so far for him now that he's this projected late round pick. He's starting to look kind of underrated at this point. So I expect him to go somewhere on day three and, and Pratt and, and Travis will probably um, go there too. I mentioned at the top, but before we take off here, Kat, is there one piece of advice you have for us to not eat the cheese over the next two months? Is there something that you, maybe somebody's going to get overhyped at the combine over these next couple of months, just because we get so bored talking about this stuff. We need to make someone suddenly seem super interesting. Do you have any cheese we should not eat? Um, I'd say Joe Milton from Tennessee, if I had to pick somebody, because um, when he gets to the combine, he's going to be, uh, six, five, you know, 235 pounds. Um, and, but, you know, he, he went to the senior bowl, had a terrible week and, you know, was, he, he went to Michigan, he transferred to Tennessee. Um, you know, he was, he was, he, he had a good season. I mean, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions ran for 300 yards, but it, really this, this was his time to dif- differentiate himself. Um, and, and he didn't do it. But uh, as as far as just two other guys too, I mean, uh, one guy that's bounced around a lot is 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 Keto Slovis, uh, BYU's quarterback, and he went from from USC to to be to Pitt to BYU, and again, a guy that is a really compact throwing motion and is accurate, and he doesn't stand out in any area. He's not a great athlete. He's he's overall. Um, been been a disappointment as as a college football quarterback but again kind of that same pathway as as a Spencer Radler where now he's a little bit underrated um and another guy too is John Rise Plumley from UCF not invited to the combine uh 
it's not pretty watching him get the ball out and throw the football, but he is a, he's a really good athlete um, and can make plays with his legs. So if he can get with the right quarterback coach, he might be worth a sixth or seventh round pick. Tat, I think after talking a little college football with you for about a half an hour to an hour, I feel a lot smarter. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. We're going to continue to do this all the way up until the April draft. What do you feel next? We'll keep it simple. Go to running backs. Yeah, well, I say running backs next, and man, I'm looking through this list here. I, I'm I'm back to 98 for Maryland. I don't see a quarterback yet. <laughs> Good lord, Josh, uh, I think you're doomed, dude. No, okay, okay, found Neil O'Donnell, 1990. Who could forget? <laughs> I could. <laughs> that that was before my time. Uh, so 98 is where I really start. I I think there may have been a quarterback I missed somewhere in here, but uh, but and man, it's a. Uh, we may have to combine running back with another position because it's a weak, weak running back class. I mean, one of the worst I've ever seen. So we'll see what happens. Next, next year should be class. good, right? Next year's is looking good. Yeah, it's it's looking more promising next year. But uh, this this I, you may not see a running back drafted in the first two rounds this year. Wow. Cat and Houts, gentlemen, you have said it all. Thank you all so much for listening to another edition of Another Dolphins Podcast. We will be back with the new show early next week. But until then, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Fins up.